comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. and welcome to the Walking Dead TV Podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Aaron Newworth and Jim Dietz. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Oh wait, I thought this was the Bowling with Daryl podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is one turkey for Thanksgiving. Um, this week we're here to talk about episode 507 of The Walking Dead, Crossed. And what did you guys think of this episode before we get into the plot synopsis? What I like about this episode is that it's the kind of episode where it's kind of putting all the pieces together for the finale next week, for the mid-season finale. And whereas I think previous seasons might not have been as successful in doing something like this, this season, because I like the characters or I like what they've been doing with them a lot more, I felt it came together better than a normal version of this kind of episode, which is essentially a throwaway episode, but it's still important to the series as a whole. Yeah, I agree. It's like it's one of those um, like connective tissue episodes trying to get us to the next big thing, I guess. But it seemed like there was more going on in it than your average episode of this ilk. Um, there are actually things happening rather than it just being, you know, plot-driven stuff. Yeah, I liked all of the disparate parts of the episode, uh, with the exception of one, which we'll get into. But I'm not sure that they all congealed well for me into a solid episode. I kind of feel like, without having seen the finale, or the, the mid-season finale, obviously, it kind of feels like this should have been part of a two-hour event. It feels like part one, and part one by itself worked, but it didn't run away with the ball. So we'll see where we get to with this uh, next week, but uh, should we talk about the episode in depth, gentlemen? Sure. This is an audio medium, so that might be the best way to go about it, rather than you know showing it in interpretive dance or something. So. <laughs> you mean I've been doing all that dancing every week for nothing? You tell me this yes. now, Jim? Unless you've been putting it on YouTube, I mean... On the other Walking Dead podcast I host, I, I just sit there, we watch the episode silently, and, you know, have the muted audio, so, we, you know, people on the air can't hear it, and then we eventually talk about it. So it's an hour of basically white noise, and then we get into it. So this is a better way to do it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so episode 507 of The Walking Dead, Crossed, was directed by Billy Gerhardt, and written by Seth Hoffman, and it has a whole bunch of guest actors, so let's run down those. We have returning Christine Woods as Officer Dawn Hernandez. We have returning also Tyler James Williams as Noah. Eric Jensen as Dr. Stephen Edwards. Maximiliano Hernandez as Sergeant Bob Lampson. Christopher Matthew Cook as Lacari. I don't remember who that was off the top of my head. Mark Gowen as Percy. Ricky Wayne as Officer O'Donnell. And Terry Weibel, or Wibble, as Officer Shepard. 
a whole lot of officers. Who's Lakari? I'm wondering if that's the old dude uh, who fakes a heart attack or fakes some thing. That could have been Percy as well. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm not, we'll get into it. We'll see if we'll we can get find it, yeah. this in the synopsis. I did like like when you see a name like Maximiliano Hernandez. I'm like, oh, I know him. He's from he's from uh, the Marvel movies and Shield and stuff. It's it like, was oh, funny when he showed up in this episode. I immediately went, I know that guy from somewhere. And then they cut away and did some other things. They come back, and I'm like, okay, I know I know him with glasses. If he had glasses, I can pick his face out of a lineup. But I couldn't pick who it was, and it wasn't until Talking Dead where they mentioned uh, his character's name from the MCU, and I was like, that's who it is. I should have known. I should have I immediately saw him, and the first thing I said was, Agent Sitwell. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a known Hydra operative. That's all yeah, I'm saying. I, I just, it's funny because I just did a rewatch of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, like, I don't know, a week ago or so. His face was still fresh in my mind. I also know him from the show The Americans on FX. He was yes. in the first season of that show. Yes, And he, he gets into a similar situation in this episode as well. So He just got one of them faces you can't trust, apparently. Although, you really want to. You want to the whole time. You want to, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we start the episode with Daryl returning to the church with Noah. And I'm actually surprised, I want to give the show props on this, for not giving us that scene from several episodes ago with him saying, come on out and continue it right from there. They trusted us enough to just jump forward into the episode proper, which was nice. Completely agree. Yep. And uh, they inform the group about the whereabouts of Beth and Carol. Rick tells Michonne that he can't let Carl go to Atlanta. So he says that Carl, Michonne, and... Uh, Baby Jews should stay with Father Gabriel behind at the church while the rest of them go to rescue Carol and Beth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we want to go into what Gabriel's doing in this scene? Is well, this part of this? Or? It's funny. We're, there's, I think there are going to be a lot of things like this where, you know, Jordan's going to say something happened and we're just going to say, yeah, it happened. You know, I mean, other than the, like, the big action beats in this episode, I mean, it's, it's pretty much stuff that, you know, like housekeeping a lot of it, you know. But um, I, I thought well, Father, he, Father yeah. Gabriel scrubbing the floor, is that what you're talking about? Or? Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Once the group leaves, uh, Carl and Michonne continue to fortify the church. Um, they're chopping up pews to board up the doors and the windows. Um, and they also give Father Gabriel a machete and attempt to teach him how to defend himself. Well, but, that's that's later on. It, it's in the cold open where he starts right. rubbing on the floor with his nails and it's all... I guess because that's when Sasha is chopping up the pews, right? Yeah, Take, exactly. taking out her Bob rage on uh, on the pews. No, when yeah. he does that early before he sees it, does that he sees on you know that thing on the side of the thing where you know yeah was it you will burn for this or whatever is he trying to to recreate yeah. like how much force it took for them to scratch that with their nails into the wood? It did cross my mind, and had they come back to it once, I think they came back to it twice. If they'd come back to it a third time, I might have thought they were trying to make that point, but I think it was more of just. You know, it's another, you know, the stain that won't come out. That's a pretty classic metaphor there, so. I just thought that's the way it started out, though. It seemed like he was trying to, you know, before he started scrubbing, it seemed like he was trying to see if he could use his own nail to, to, you know, to carve something into the wood. And then afterwards, it seemed like, like you said, he was, you know, Macbeth-type stain that he can't wash out. No, yeah, I think he was, from the beginning, trying to just get the stuff out and see what he could do. And also, probably, I mean, just kind of punishing himself in his own way. Right, right. Um and yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but the whole Gabriel thing is the part of this episode that just doesn't really work for me. And again, I agree. maybe it will with part two next week of this finale. Maybe once we have that full picture, I'll be on board with what they were doing with him. But confused isn't even the right word for my reaction to, his, to what he was doing this episode. It was more just bewilderment. Like, 
I was almost getting the impression, like, did he, is he not even a pastor? Did he come in and kill the pastor, and he's the one who wrote You'll Burn in Hell for this? Or what is what was going on with this character this episode? It was so strange. I, like, that like that explanation would actually make him make me like this a lot more, because that's something. But for now, it just seems like this is a... And, like, I've been, I'm, I've been fine with Seth Gilliam, but it's just the way... I'm over Gabriel, essentially. I'm over this character, because it just seems like he solely exists to be an inadvertent, um, like... A hostile thing to the rest of the group. Like it seems like every only the only thing he can do is cause harm to others by accident. That seems like what his role in this plot is. It, it almost feels care. like it's it's like ninety percent funny. Like if you were to go ten percent more with it, maybe put some comic uh, you know notes in the musical score behind him. What he would be doing would be literally comical, but that's not there, and so it just comes across as weird. You know, as this guy who can't come... I, I get it. He's a guy who can't come to terms with what the world has become. He has strong moral lines, and now he's going to be forced to cross them. And I get all that. It's just none of it's working for me. Yeah, I think that really came across. There's that one scene where they're they're repurposing a lot of the stuff in the church, right? They're trying to fortify it. Um, they're putting yeah. up wood or whatever, and they're taking apart the, the pipe organ. And he's all, like, abashed. He's like, what, are you going to take across the, uh, apart the cross next? And it's just like his mindset is so far from the mindset of everyone else there that it, you're right. It seems kind of incongruous and, and just kind of not, I don't know, not part of the picture. I, I, I really can't describe it any better than that. He's like he's like that part of Herschel that was like trying not to believe in what was going on, except none of the great things about Herschel are coming with this character. And it's <laughs> like a, it's like two years later in in, in the show. Yeah, and you know, yeah. not, not just yeah. in terms of like us in the real world, but it's like two years later in Showtime. And had the, they come across this character two years ago, and I think we had said this when they first introduced him, this would have worked a lot better. You know, as the the you know, it's it's a month after the apocalypse, and this preacher's still holding on. But two years later, give me a break. You mentioned the kind of ninety percent comedy thing. It reminds me of that. Remember that one. Um, that run random guy they found in a house uh, when they're like going towards Woodbury, and the guy was like just completely weird, and nobody like he didn't know what the hell was going on, and like right. oh, he was like the old hobo, guy. Yeah. Was the old, the old hobo guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like that's like another version of Gabriel, except with you know less <laughs> less of a head on his shoulders. Yeah, it would be like if they tried to play that scene seriously, exactly. And instead, they made the right decision in that case and made it comical. I, not that I'm saying it would have been the right decision to make this comical, but at least it would have worked better. <laughs> He should have. He should have had a lot. I mean, considering how long late in the timeline it is, he should have had a lot more backstory than what he has. Yeah. If you think about it, and, I mean, and like I, like I said, maybe they are going to reveal something big about him next week that will make all of this fall into place. But I'm not holding out much hope at this point with that character. Everything else is working for me pretty well, just not him. I com- I completely agree. I have no. Yeah. I have nothing against that. Like I just yeah. He, he's I'm over this character. I if you get something to like wrap him up. Good. I'm surprised he's still alive. Honestly, I thought he was going to die like in three episodes. So I mean, good on him for. I mean, he stuck it out for two years apparently. So good on him for sticking around a lot, couple weeks longer on The Walking Dead, a show where characters constantly die, especially the weaker ones. So. It's just kind of a bummer that it's like you know an actor of Seth Gilliam's caliber and it's kind of such a weak character. You know what I mean? Because he was so good in The Wire. Well, at least it's not a you know a bad actor in a bad role. So I'm not just annoyed at this completely. I'm just right. like, eh, what's going on? Like, we'll get to another character in the show that I'm not a fan of the actress portraying that person, but we'll get to that. So let's just wrap up his storyline here. They try to teach him to use the machete. He's unable and unwilling to learn. He's still traumatized over the murder of the people from Terminus. And so he goes to his office. He pries open several floorboards and escapes out 
the church, uh, you know, from underneath of it, where he immediately steps on a nail, which goes in very deep into his foot, and then he hobbles away, is ambushed by a walker, he manages to fight it off and cripple it, and he's about to crush its head with a rock a la Rick from season three, I think? Season two. Or yeah, maybe it is two. The opener of season two. And uh, then he sees that the walker is wearing a cross, and maybe he recognizes the walker. It's a little unclear. But one of those two things, or maybe both of them, definitely deter him, and instead he just runs off into the forest. Kind of hobbles off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, hobbles. <laughs> after after he crucified himself with that nail. <laughs> yeah, and I was wondering, I was like, are they going for that theme now? Because that's kind of weird and out of place. Like, I get he's a preacher, but at this point, that's just a strange one. It also seemed kind of odd to me too that he couldn't. He he was like questioning the differences between Rick's group and the the uh, the term the termites. I don't know. It just seemed like there were a lot of obvious differences there. I mean, one were cannibals, one weren't. Uh, you know that kind of thing. But um, it, yeah, it was just odd, bizarre. One one group saved his life; the other was going to kill him. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but he, yet he, you know, he's you know trying to compare the two or, or blurring the differences between, and it just didn't make any sense. He's like an old lady who's still worried about Elvis's hips, you know, giving bad influence to the children or something like that. You know, it's just so incongruous. <laughs> that exact example, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just, I, it's like one of those things where it's so far behind the times. It's like still being worried about Rage Against the Machine or something. Like, you're 20 years late on that, you know. I don't know. I shouldn't, I should note that, like, in this portion, we, it's the, the only stuff we get with Michonne and, um, and Carl, and... We got some Michonne stuff, but we really haven't gotten much from either of these characters, so I'm kind of expecting to get some kind of, you know, a lot more of them in the next half of the season, which I wouldn't be surprising so. just because they're, they're, they're strong characters, and, you know... Yeah, I think you sometimes. said something similar in your written review at youngfolks.com, yeah. and, and I, I, I completely agree. Um, it's not that even that they're being... Uh, I, I don't know if I want to say they're being underserved, it's just they haven't had that much to do. No, I wouldn't say they're being underserved. I just feel like... The show has other things in in its mind. It can't make. I'd rather the show just not use certain characters rather than give them throwaway storylines that mean nothing and right. just crowd the episode that's already packed with other characters. But but I definitely share your hope that next half of the season we'll get a lot more with them, especially because the little bit they have been given to do, especially even in this episode, like it was good and saved those scenes with Father Gabriel from being complete waste of time. And Michonne and Carl have great chemistry together. Yes, so, that's, I mean, that's the point I was going to make. Episodes. I mean, the episode yeah. clear. Um, you know, where they have those scenes together. They just, they were those actors and the, you know, those characters work really well together. So I'm hoping we get at least one episode of them together, um, you know, while the other teams are, you know, out playing with the hospital. Exactly. So we then head to a much more interesting story, or at least much more fun story for the most part. Uh, back to the road to Washington, D.C., where Eugene is still unconscious and stays that way for most of the episode. Uh, meanwhile, Glenn, Maggie, Tara, and Rosita are debating on whether they should turn back and return to the church. And uh, Maggie argues that they don't know how badly Eugene is hurt and that moving him may make his condition worse, which is very smart and true. Yep. Meanwhile, Abraham has become pretty much completely non-responsive, and he's just kneeling on the side of the road. Uh, Glenn, Tara, and Rosita decide to leave for a nearby stream to get more water, and Maggie stays behind to keep an eye on Eugene and Abraham. Uh, before this, Abraham does make one attempt to, uh, I don't even know, he, he basically steps kind of up on uh, Rosita, yeah. and Maggie yeah. pulls a gun on him, and I was like, go yeah. Maggie. Yeah, that was that was a really, um, I wasn't expecting that scene, you know, for him to have a tantrum like that, you know. Uh, it was very, it's very much like what my uh, year and a half old uh, son does when I pass him a bottle and he doesn't want it, just smacks it out of my hand and stuff. 
But uh, yeah, when he he got up in that that stare down on Rosita, and then you know Maggie pulling the gun on, it just kind of wow, it just kind of took me by surprise. That's a great. I mean, Maggie again is another character that hasn't had a lot, a lot to do this season so far. But you know, give her the right moments, and she gets some stuff done here. And I yeah. like that she has essentially like Abraham clearly doesn't want to be you know bothered. Person's poking at him. He stands up. And Maggie just gives him basically the, if you don't want to be bothered, don't be bothered, sit back down, or else I'm going to put you down. That's a great, it's a great little moment for her. And she has a number of good moments in this episode. Yeah, she does. And somewhere also around here is where uh, Tara introduces that we have a team name for this team, and that's Team Greatum, which I enjoyed yeah. quite a bit. Um, be- because Tara is rapidly becoming one of my favorite characters on the show. I, I know she started on a bit shaky ground. But uh, I, I'm enjoying every little bit she adds as basically someone who watches the show being forced into the show and having to deal with it, which is fun. I mean, what I like about this group in general is that they're all characters. Like, none of them feel like st- – like, none of them feel underserved as far as having a group like this goes. Like, I feel like I know I know who Glenn, Maggie, Tara, Rosita, Eugene, and Abraham are because the show's done a good job of kind of presenting them as individuals. I, I would say Rosita would be the one exception to that until the last couple of weeks where they've definitely done a lot more to make her an actual character and not just show yeah, certainly. Jokes, which right. is I'm certainly saying that. Yeah, I'm certainly saying that in context of this episode. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, two, the two scenes I'm thinking of with Rosita in this episode particularly is, first of all, when she was talking about how, you know, Eugene basically used, you know, the only skill he had to stay alive because he didn't know how to fight, couldn't, you know, all these other things. And, you know, how could she blame him for that? Which is kind of an interesting way of looking at what Eugene had done to the rest of the group, you know. And then the story she tells about when she first met Abraham and Eugene. And, you know, maybe Eugene was lying to her then when she said that, you know, he saw potential in her. Um, both, I mean, both those I thought really served well to kind of give a little more, put a little more meat on the bones of that character. Because, I mean, she's been kind of... Uh, like, as Aaron said, underserved. The first thing you said, Jim, that was a terror line. Oh, I'm the, sorry. I just, I certainly see your point, Jim. Like, it, 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 Rosita's character does get, she gets those moments um, to, to kind of, you know, make her into a person, which is, you know, helpful in a show about people. <laughs> so, yeah, no kidding. Well, the little bits with Tara too, like like um, Jordan was alluding to with the water bottles, where she spelled out the team name on it or whatever. It just really adds to the characters that, you know, like they've both Tara and Rosita have been kind of underserved by the scripts, you know, lately. So it's nice to have them flushed out a little bit more and, you know, a little more personality to them um, rather than just, you know, female A, female B with the group. For sure. So they head down to the stream to get more water and uh, they eventually find the stream and Glenn is disappointed to see that the water is muddy and not suitable to drink but uh, Rosita uses a handy trick that Eugene taught her of filtering the water through clothing um, and she also this is where she tells them about when they met when she met Abraham and Eugene and using a scavenge materials they craft a makeshift net and manage to catch a fish with it which I couldn't really see very clearly but seemed like a very small fish so I guess small victories ah. but yeah, I mean, it wasn't the biggest fish, but it was. I was, I was kind of looking at it like the second day. I was like, I guess that's a good. I mean, it's something to eat. Yeah. At least it wasn't a zombie fish. Yeah. <laughs> right, I also, right. and this doesn't really list it in the thing, but I wanted to mention because um, Tara's also like they because they scavenge the, the materials for to make the net, but then Tara grabs like a backpack and she sorted through the backpack and she like pulls something out at one point. She's like, "You guys, guess what." I was curious if you guys had any idea what you thought she found because they show it later on. Yeah, I, I did catch it. I liked that they didn't – that they had her moment of you'll never guess what I just found and they don't call back to it and you have to pay attention. But it's a yo-yo. Yeah. yeah. Which – how awesome. Yeah. That, that's like a fun – like he's like, oh, that's what she found a yo-yo. That's cool. It's a <laughs> weapon. It's a toy. It's something to pass the time. It's awesome. 
Yo-yos, kids. They're fun. Doesn't it kind of remind you of when Michonne went back in for the stuffed cat or whatever? Yes. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it kind of just something that ties them back to their past life. I mean, some, you know, symbol of innocence, as it were. It's something that shows that these characters are human. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> That's what I like. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, back on the road, Maggie keeps watch over Eugene, and she builds a makeshift tent over him using, I believe it was a blanket and a ladder and uh, to keep the sun off him. And she then confronts Abraham and asks him if he really wants to die. And he finally speaks um, for only the second time in the episode, pretty much. And he admits that at first he thought he wanted to die, but now he wants to live. And he finally takes a drink of water, which they've been trying to get him to do for the rest of the episode. And when Glenn, Tara, and Rosita finally return, Eugene also begins to uh, regain consciousness. And that ends their section of the story. So um, Abraham, he picks it up with his like his bleeding hand with the wound on it. That one so it's like another tie to that episode. And um, I like the storyline a lot. I think this is probably my favorite of the storylines just because it, it's, it's not focused on anything besides just showing these characters. And what I really like, and this kind of reflects some of the other parts of the episode, or at least maybe one, the hospital stuff, but there's hope. <laughs> there's hope in it. Um, it's not about just being completely dreary and down all the time. There's like, hey, we got a fish, and we got a yo-yo, and Eugene's alive, and Abraham's decided to live. Like, there's just a lot of like, hey, this is like good stuff, guys. <laughs> good job. Now, uh, do they say, and I completely agree with you, by the way. I don't want to gloss over that. But do they say by the end of this that they're heading back to Rick's group? They don't say anything. I, I didn't think so, but I wanted to double check. Do you guys think that sometime during next week's episode they're going to show up and either help save the day or... Uh, make a surprise appearance, if you were. Not maybe surprise, but they'll pop up and, and help. I'm still counting on Morgan ziplining into Atlanta and saving everybody next week, so that's my theory there. <laughs> but, that would um, be yeah, cool. That's a good point. Um, I haven't seen him. But as far as uh, um, Abraham's group goes, I, I can't see them doing anything else but go back to the church at this point, so that's really all I really expect. Probably save Michonne and Carl from whatever Gabriel messes up for them back at the, at the camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So at the hospital, uh, Dawn is in a heated discussion with one of her, another one of her officers over their inability to find Noah, and Beth is listening in as she uh, helps clean one of the rooms. And uh, the subject of the conversation turns to Carol, and the officer says that she's a lost cause and keeping her alive is a waste of resources. And Beth barges into the conversation, and she points out the hypocrisy of the officer complaining about resources when he's using a DVD player, or as she calls it, just his DVD, which was annoying to me, but whatever. Um... And Dawn tells the officer to take Carol off of life support, and then when the officer leaves, Dawn chastises Beth for forcing her hand, and again, like we've seen with Dawn in the past, you made me do something, therefore it's your fault, and uh, yada yada yada. But she then gives Beth the key to the drug locker and says, you made me do this, but I'm going to let you save Carol, and... I didn't trust her for a second, and the doctor later on also echoes my concern of this is obviously a trap of some sort, right? I gotta say, and like I already had gripes with the the Beth episode, the Slab Town from a few weeks back, but I I don't care about this. I don't like Dawn at all, and not just because of the way the character's written. I don't think it's well acted either. I just don't buy this character existing in this world. She's (laughs) not an interesting villain at all. No. I'm sorry. She's supposed to be like the next big bad. I mean, you know, the, the the termites are more interesting. The, the the governor is more interesting. You know, pick a villain more interesting than than Dawn and her little rent a cops at this hospital. They're just, I agree, Aaron. They're just boring. I'm just like, please, can we just get on to something more interesting? 
You know? But her assert, asserting authority, it just, I don't believe in it. Like, yeah, I don't find her not, intimidating. Yeah. I, I, like, especially like with Beth this week, who's like, you know, bribing people with strawberries and sneaking around. Like, I buy her as Dawn's character more than Dawn. So. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike this storyline. In fact, I actually kind of like the best chunks of this episode. But the no, Dawn, fair, yeah. Dawn yeah. is the weakest part of it. And it just, she just seems off and not off in the way of she's got OCD and she's power hungry or all these kind of things. It just does it doesn't fit with the rest of the episode. And I agree, if you had found a stronger actress, somebody who just really had a lot of charisma, maybe I could buy it, but I'm not getting that from this actress. She doesn't seem to have a good motivation for anything she's doing. You know what I mean? I mean the only motivation I find from Dawn is like she wants to maintain order in the status quo. You know, and that's it. And, like, everything that I see from her is, like, how did she get power? Like, I don't see this person, like, ever standing up to anybody, especially these, you know, these terrible cop people, like the one right. that died a few episodes back. It's like, how how is she the one that's in charge? Like, what well, authority is she putting forth? I, I can see her standing up to somebody. I just don't see that other person backing down from her. I, I, I mean, I've, that's yeah, that's a good point. But, I mean, all I've seen her do is slap little slap Beth. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what else she's able to do. Like, I, if her action figure has slap Beth powers, that's great for that. But I don't know what, it, what else she can do. Better do what I say I, or I'm going to bring over Beth over here and slap her really hard. Yeah. I, I can agree that the ep, that this portion of the episode, I like it. I do like this I like this hospital stuff this week more than I liked in Slab Town. Just because I, I did like, I like Beth in this in the mode that she's in now as the kind of she's she's trying to escape once she knows what's up she knows what's going on in this hospital she's trying to you know exploit the loopholes and whatever but yeah the dawn thing just drags me down yeah i just don't care about her or why she's doing what she's doing at all apologies to christine woods the actress yeah i'm sure she's a wonderful woman and an actress and everything it's just the character so nothing i don't even feel like she's much of a gonna be much of a challenge for rick and the guys once they get there you know what i mean yeah, he'll just kind of, like, move out of my way, ma'am, and then they'll walk by her, and then they'll get everybody else out of the hospital. So, Beth goes to confront Dr. Edwards, and uh, she convinces him to tell which drug she should use to save Carol. And now, there was a discussion about this on the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group this week. Um, I heard epinephrine. I heard epinephrine. Wikipedia says epinephrine, but there's a discussion of whether the doctor said epinephrine or ephedrine. Ephedrine, which would not be the right thing to give Carol and would kill her. Epinephrine, I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know, although I have a feeling that it's an anti-inflammatory, it's an antihistamine, so it probably would be. But there is a discussion, still going on, as of this recording anyway, whether or not he was telling uh, Beth the correct thing. So still up in the air, but I buy him as at least being genuine in this particular situation. I'm just going off the tone of the episode and of this plot line. It just makes sense that Dr. Edwards has no reason to deceive Beth this week as opposed to the previous time when he did uh, deceive her. Beth sets up a distraction with one of the other, I almost called him an inmate, but one of the other patients. Uh, she bribes him with strawberries. He fakes a heart attack or some type of fit to get the officer's attention, uh, which allows Beth to get to the drug locker, grab the uh, epinephrine, and administer it to Carol and wait for her to remain con- or to regain consciousness. It was a nice little uh, little plan with the strawberries and whatnot. I liked all that. And I like that whenever they go into the hospital, it's a heist. Like the first hospital episode yeah. was a heist. <laughs> Here it's a little mini heist. Maybe next week it'll be kind of like a reverse breakout heist. We'll, we'll see. It'll be Daryl's 11. We'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> there are almost 11 people on their team at this point. Uh, not all of them going to the hospital. But yes, there are a lot of them. And it was a nice uh, moment with Beth and Carol. Like, uh, obviously Carol's unconscious, but I liked Beth's little, you know, you know just, you know, I'm here. It's, it's really in what Carol didn't say in that scene. 
Even when she's unconscious, <laughs> Melissa McBride kicking ass on the Walking wow. Dead TV show. Nobody, nobody does unconscious like her. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Rick's group arrives in Atlanta, and Rick lays out his plan to quietly infiltrate the hospital, eliminate all the officers before they realize what's happening, and you know, get Beth and Carol out of there, but Ter- uh, Tyrese becomes concerned that something might go wrong, and he presents an alternate plan that they should lure some ho- officers out of the hospital, capture them, and trade them back to Beth and Carol. And uh, surprisingly, Daryl supports Tyrese's plan and convinces Rick to go with it. I was actually very surprised about this, and the episode just kind of breezes on right past it. I think most of us are just happy that Tyrese wasn't, you know, just making a sad puppy dog face for the episode and actually being constructive. I like that part of the episode. That was awesome. And and this, the the look that Rick gives him when when Daryl agrees with Tyrese and they decide that's going to be the plan. That's like, I don't know, it was it was a look that said a lot. Uh, even though they didn't spend a lot of time on it, you know. It, was, I mean, it said the same thing I was saying, which was that's a terrible plan, Tyrese. Why would you agree with it, <laughs> Daryl? Prisoner trades never work well. Well, Tyrese is, you know, is still having trouble killing people. You know, we found that out that, from the termite he left alive, alive and stuff. So, I mean, Rick's plan was very casualty heavy. It was very Metal Gear Solid, you know, a yep. stealth kill uh, situation. Um, when, you know, whereas Tyrese, you know, is trying to, of course, you know, avoid killing other humans. But um, I agree. I, I don't think it's going it to, obviously isn't going to end well. But I just like that it came from a basis of, what if everything doesn't go right? What's the other way to do it? And they right. try to approach it from a different angle. And I, and obviously it ties into what Tyrese's character is going through. But at the same time, I did like that it wasn't just like, oh, Rick has a cool plan. Let's do this. No questions asked. They actually tried to, you know, work something out that made, oh, that, that rationalized what was going on. So they have Noah fire off several gunshots to lure two officers out, and they quickly capture them. And one of them, uh, Officer Lamson, who's uh, Max Hernandez, recognizes that Rick talks like a police officer and insists that he was an officer as well. Um, but at the moment when they're about to come to kind of an understanding, because Noah says, hey, we can trust this guy, or at least he thinks they can trust this guy, another car of officers comes in and rescues the first group um, while Rick's group fires at them, and they eventually uh, disable the vehicle, not too far away from them, but it's in the middle of this parking lot, this FEMA parking lot that was completely napalmed out. Um, and I love the walkers that we see here that are basically just melted into the ground. They are puddles of flesh and a few bones and tendons that are still working. Um, it's really gross. And they have to go on a chase looking for uh, the rest of this group. Yeah, that was some nasty stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially when the fight scene starts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the rest of the group kind of, I don't want to say barges on, on ahead like they did something wrong, but they see which direction everybody went and they chase them. Daryl hangs back and he investigates the car, which is smart, because I was wondering, why are you running past the car? He's also Daryl, so it's That's not like true. the guys need to stay back and be like, hey, Daryl, you okay? Like, he's, he's Daryl. Yes. He killed the tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he, he investigates the FEMA trailer when the biggest officer I've ever seen uh, from the <laughs> from the other group comes out and they get into a, a face-off and start beating each other down. Uh, the officer, who is ginormous, gets Daryl on the ground and is choking him. And Daryl feels around for something to use, putting his fingers directly in a zombie's mouth, which was gross and kind of terrifying, and then grabs the zombie through its eye sockets, pulls its head and spine out of its body, and knocks the officer over the head with it, at which point Rick comes around from the corner and and draws down on the enemy officer, and they're able to stop him. uh, Rick is about to shoot him, but Daryl points out, hey, if we're going to do this prisoner trade, three is better than two. Tuesdays, huh? That's all he says. He doesn't you know, say anything about the trade. He says, hey, Rick, three is better than two. 
Right. I'm, I'm just clarifying for the listeners. <laughs> Plus, I mean, the scene that something that I noticed that it was kind of, you kind of glossed over while Daryl is being choked. He's like reaching around at first. He like grabs the zombie's arm. And he can't quite get a perch. You know what I mean? He's like trying for different things. It kind of they do everything they can to make this look like Daryl's going to get bit by something. And right. I'm sure, like, the Daryl fans out, like, the massive hordes of Daryl fans are like, no! Like, screaming about, like, what's happening. And you can they hear the sound Darryl effects mixed in of the chattering of the zombie, like, its teeth. I really noticed that. Oh, my God, mix. yeah. It's clicking away at him and everything. It's crazy. But then when he finally makes that bowling move, and that's definitely my, my uh, zombie kill of the episode, for sure. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> He like he grabbed it by the eye sockets and ripped its head off. Yep. <laughs> just beat a guy. That's that's our Daryl. That's Daryl. <laughs> and some behind the scenes stuff. They talked about this briefly on uh, Talking Dead in one of the little infographics. But the zombie head with the spine slipping out was a puppet, and it was operated by Norman Reedus. His fingers in the eye sockets were controlling the movement of the spine, hmm. which I thought was really kind of cool. That that is pretty cool. <laughs> is there anything Norman Reedus can't do? give up (laughs) (laughs) now he's a puppeteer as well so with the officers in custody they begin talking and one of the officers insists that dawn isn't going to trade for them as she doesn't like them anyway uh, because she knows that they were planning on taking over however if they let them go they'll take care of dawn for them instead bob lamson uh, max hernandez says no 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 listen to me Dawn will refuse a trade at first, but I know this woman. I knew her from back in the day before the zombie apocalypse. She'll refuse at first. She'll eventually relent. Um, and so they decide to go with that plan. Plus he and, paints um, a picture of her as being pretty desperate. You know, right. like that her, ten- her hold on power is very tenuous. Um, Which I can buy. Yeah, I totally buy that part too, because obviously, I mean, look around. But um, that's that's the second half of the deal that kind of like sells this idea to her um, to, to Rick, I think. Meanwhile, Sasha is still very emotionally troubled over Bob's death, and Tyrese attempts to comfort her. Um, and I like this scene, but there was a weird moment, kind of towards the beginning of it, where she's looking down on a rip on her sleeve. Did it feel at anyone else like they were trying to telegraph that she had been bit? At ver- at the first instance, I thought that, but then I realized it was more of just like, oh, it's been a close call, and I'm upset now, like that kind of thing. Yeah, because there was no moment in the episode where we saw where she could have been bit, and the- her sleeves are rolled up. It seems like we'd be and able to and see it's if it's Bob's there was a jacket bite. too. It's Bob's jacket. Oh, that's, that's a good point. So maybe it was hit. okay. I, I yeah. forgot about that. But yeah, I, it was. I, a weird I honestly moment. just thought of that as I was saying it. it it's Bob's jacket. That's what <laughs> <I did>. Yeah. <laughs> so. Eventually, Sasha is keeping guard over Officer Lamson, Bob, and uh, she her interest is piqued when she finds out his first name. Um, so while Rick, Tyrese, and Daryl leave to make contact with Dawn, she tries to talk with him, and he tells Sasha how his partner um, was killed during the bombings and that it could have been him, but his you know his partner stayed behind and he saw his partner's still alive-ish body out there in the parking lot moving around. And, um, you know, he was upset that he never had a chance to put him out of his misery. And Sasha offers to take uh, to help him out and put his partner to rest. So he guides her to the location so she can shoot uh, from one of the windows. And when she does, surprise, surprise, because he's Hydra, uh, he backs up, runs forward, knocks her into the window and knocks her out. And he runs away. Women, am I right? I'm kidding. That's not... <laughs> um... 
I mean, from the very yeah. first moment, I was like, don't listen to him. I understand why this character would, but you know he's squirrely from the moment he's like, oh no, it's nothing. I was just thinking about my partner. Like, mm-hmm. come on. But but Jordan, the thing you don't know is that Bear McCreary was playing his score live next to Saja, so she was really emotional about <laughs> what he was telling her. I mean, my, my thing is, I wish, and this is nothing about... Uh, um, Sasha's performance or, or his performance it was just about I wish they hadn't played it like that from the beginning if they had made it seem genuine I would have loved this this part of the of the episode this scene but because from the very first moment he opens his mouth there with her you know he's lying it ruined it for me and, and I wish because he is one of those faces that even though he always turns out to be a bad guy you want to trust him I wish they had let us trust him as the audience before pulling the rug out it, yeah it, there's just too much breath in between the kind of steps he was taking to get her to a certain point where I'm like yeah this isn't going to go anywhere well yeah <laughs> right I was I was happy that you, I thought he was going to just push her out the windows like oh no they killed Sasha but they yeah there's no real indication that he's a bad guy he's just a prisoner who's trying to escape he doesn't yeah. kill her he very easily could have and I'm interested to see if they if there is a direction that they take his character because there is a theoretical version of this where he does walk out unscathed and we do get to see more of him but I just wish they had played that scene differently. The more likely scenario is Rick and the gang kill everybody and get who they need and leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree, Jordan. I think it would have worked better you know, if they had done it, What, like you said. It would have been more effective. It seemed like, I don't know, it just seemed like really quick for Sasha to, to trust this guy after all they've been through. Well, she's in, a, she's in a fragile state with what she's going through and, you know, the guy's name's Bob and all that. Like, I could see... From the from the show's perspective, I see where they were coming from and making this, you know, work well enough for us to buy into her doing it. Whether or not I accepted it, you know, it's a bit of a stretch, mainly because I just I think we just know how TV works too well to, right. <laughs> yeah. to really to go to go along with their little ruse. But um, you know, I for I, I was enjoying Sasha's kind of what she was going through this episode. I liked the scenes with her and Tyrese. I liked the beginning with her. I I find I I like her character in general. So like, I wasn't really annoyed that she was going along with what what bob was selling um and it you know it, it brings the episode to a to a, you know like a, a a charged up ending of like what's gonna happen now as opposed to like oh yeah they did that and i guess next week they go through with that plan and nothing like it, it you know it's for what for what it's doing it's following some familiar tropes but i wasn't too upset by them Okay, so before we get to what our listeners thought of the episode, let's give our Buster ratings for it. Remember, listeners, one Buster is bad, and five Busters is great. And so on our scale of one to five Busters, Jim, how many would you give this episode? I'll give this episode a solid 4.25. This has been a uh, solid season for me all along, and this is this episode has been no exception. I, I appreciate the character stuff that was going on here. Um, I, I appreciated that. I mean, we've had episodes like this before on The Walking Dead in the past, where you know all the chess pieces are put into play for the you know the mid-season finale or the season finale. And uh, th- I thought this one was done better than some of those others that we had seen in the history of the show. Um, just you know, a few few foibles here and there I didn't really care for, and I'm kind of almost tired of the hospital storyline uh, as quickly as it started. <laughs> But um, you know, Father Father Gabriel, I'm kind of done with too. So just a four, you know, four point two five. 
Yeah, I'm at a I'm at a four. I'm at a solid four busters. I think if this was like a season two or season three episode, I'd probably be at like a three, three point five busters just because it's one of those episodes, like Jim said, that you know sets pieces up for the next season for the next episodes. You know what's likely to be a big action heavy things are changing episode. But because I really enjoyed this season so far, and because the characters have really been kind of written a lot better, there's a lot more development going on, and I really basically care for this cast, I'm happy to go up that extra level, because not only do we get to move all the pieces around, but we get to see these characters interact and react and do things based on what we know of them without having to do any heavy lifting or you know troublesome dialogue to get us into certain areas. So yeah, Four Busters, I think is a solid episode. I'll also give it Four Busters. Uh, like I already mentioned, there's those couple things, Father Gabriel, Dawn's performance, that last scene, how it was framed, that I didn't like. But the stuff I liked in this episode, I liked liked a lot. I liked the stuff with Beth. I really liked everything with uh, with Team Gratum and all, you know <laughs> the, the zombies and and Rick's group. Like all that really worked well for me. So even though you know there were those little bits here and there, and I didn't think the episode congealed as a whole very well. The bits I liked, I liked so much. I'm um, bringing this one to a four for me. So uh, I, Rich could not join us tonight, but I know he sent us in his Buster ratings. So Aaron, what did Rich think of this episode? Rich went for a 3.5 Busters. He says good stuff in the episode, but he's just ready for this hospital stuff to end. And hopefully it will next week. (laughs) So before we get into what our listeners thought of this week's episode, let's talk about our sponsor. We talk about them every week, but they're still just as awesome as ever. That's DCBService.com, Discount Comic Book Service. Comic books are expensive. We talk about it all the time, but it's still true. I spent about... $60, I think, last week on comics, and that was a pretty big week for me. But still, comics every week, I'm spending 20, 30, 40 bucks sometimes on good stuff, but stuff that I could be getting cheaper, and you could get cheaper as well from DCBService.com. They've got the individual issues that you put in your order ahead of time, and you get them for 15, 20, 25, 30, sometimes even 50% off or more. just by telling them what you want ahead of time. They've got a great selection. Any book out there that you can imagine, you can get for them at a great discount. They've got bundles. They've got clearance sales. They've got hats and T-shirts and all that kind of stuff as well. And if you like the individual issues or you really want to go for more for the trade paperbacks or the hardcovers, check out their sister site, InStockTrades.com as well, and you can get all that stuff from them. But great customer service, great website, uh, great company altogether, and Above everything else, great, great discounts. So check out DCBService.com, check out InStockTrades.com, and let us know, let them know that the Walking Dead TV podcast sent you. So, Jim, what did our listeners think of this week's episode? Well, uh, if you are one of our listeners and would like to join in the fun of our Facebook group, it is, oddly enough, called the Walking Dead TV podcast a Facebook group on the Facebook. It's very popular with the young people. Uh, every week we ask for our listeners to give us some ratings and some quick rundowns of what they thought of the episode. And here are some for Crossed. Uh, Brent Jones, a solid four. Now that's using your heads out of five. Uh, the Napalm. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. I see what you did there, Brent. Check out the big brain on Brent. Uh, the <laughs> Napalm Walkers were disgustingly awesome, as was Daryl's use of their skull. Uh, I, a few ridiculous decisions made, most notably Sasha. Come on, man. Uh, Hope Abe's group gets back to the church ASAP. Enjoyed seeing them be resourceful. Get ready for Rick to be badass next week. Also, Rosita is my dream girl. <laughs> hmm. uh, Brian Arnold for Agent Sidwell's. <laughs> uh, a really good episode with one major flaw in Sasha's falling for the guard story. She should have known he was Hydra. Damn right, man. You can't trust Hydra. 
David J. Garrick, 3.5, just wish it had a little more meat to it. Seemed to lack a little focus, but the separate stories were decent enough, and I expect them to pay off. I just hate waiting week. Yeah, I, I see where he's coming from on that. Uh, Mike Jones, oh, get ready to wait about three months after next week's episode, buddy. Right. <laughs> Mike Jones, three rent-a-cops out of five. It was just okay in every way. The shootout at point-blank range between Rick and the hospital cops was an eye-rolling moment. This was mainly filler. I've seen worse, but I've also seen better. Judith also cried too much. Aww. Uh, Hezron Mack, 3.5 questionable decisions out of 5. Not a bad episode, but something was amiss. I thought the action sequence saved the episode. It just felt like that we've been there, done that. Uh, well, just to go back for a second, I did like, as much as I didn't like the, the Gabriel stuff, I did like how they were using Judas crying to accentuate how just unhinged he was becoming. I thought the audio mixing of that was pretty cool. To, to a certain point, like I wasn't even sure if she was still crying or if it was just in his head, and I kind of like that. It's been a continual example of, of me not caring about complaints against Judith because I think they're using her in a way that's very not annoying compared to what other people seem to be thinking. So. <laughs> that's true, and she's the, the baby that only cries when it's dramatically appropriate. Exactly. <laughs> Which is she's cool. no cousin I wish, Oliver. Let's I wish my baby way. only cried when it was uh, <laughs> dramatically appropriate. That would be awesome. <laughs> Let's see, uh, Trisha Terrell Collins, 3.75 bowling ball heads out of five. Uh, that's what I was thinking, celebrity zombie bowling. We have a whole new spinoff there. Uh, it was upsetting, yeah, hey, I, somebody write the check, let's go make it right now. Uh, it was upsetting to see that the Walkers had more spine than some of the main cast. Ooh, sick burn. <laughs> uh, swap plan was ridiculous. Cop the attack Daryl should have gotten in that shiny globe of his. They need someone with cojones like Carol back in healthy. Wow, you ever think you'd hear that sentence? Someone with, you know. Um, let's see. Uh, David Boo. Carol's Cajonas coming soon to stores everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> In time for Christmas. You too can have Carol's Cajonas. Uh, David Boo the third. Uh, this, this three out of five bowling ball head smashers was rather slow in delivering the convergence of the three storylines. Although those rotters spent two years hunkering down to the pavement, keeping their cool, the slow drama of each group made the episode seem like two years. And trusting the last cop was not believable. Uh, McMuse gave it a two. Was ooh was a bit pr- predictable and boring. Uh, the only way it got to a two was the cool uh, WS of the melted walkers. And if Daryl keeps agreeing with Tyrese, I will not. Ooh, uh, Craig <laughs> Dumanda, uh, three gradums out of five. When will the team learn not to question Crazy Rick? Crazy Rick killed <laughs> Shane. Found and secured the prison. Crazy Rick destroyed the claimers and the termites hunters. And now Tyrese knows best? Uh, at any rate, the episode did a lot of necessary plot thread clean up and set us up nicely for the mid-season finale. Just as a note, I don't like any of the new characters introduced this season. I think they more bad casting versus bad writing, but I wouldn't mind if they all get cut off next week. Father Gabe, Grady Bunch, including Noah. Wow. I like Noah. I have nothing against Noah. Yeah, I have nothing against Noah either. Um, and, uh, I mean, and Eugene and Abraham, I mean. Well, they're for last season. Well, yeah, I guess. We're all set yeah. on them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Susan Monk, 2.25, Melted Streetwalkers, out of five. There were a few interesting moments in the episode, but it mostly felt like filler. Uh, the season started out well, quickly dealing with the Terminites, but screeched to a halt with the Bethesode. <laughs> the Bethesode. I like that. Uh, Roger Austin, 3.5, Soft Skulls. Uh, odd time for Tyrese to question Rick, and for Daryl to agree with them didn't sit right. 
Uh, strange for Sasha to be so trusting of Cop Bob and fall for his shenanigans. She's lucky he didn't push her out the window. Uh, not sure what's going on with Father Gabe, and I don't really care. That might just be because of my dislike of Seth Gilliam's character on Oz. Uh, love the Melton Walkers on the pavement and Abraham's group. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tur- Mary Turk Pecky, I saw three muddy yo-yos out of five. Uh, it was definitely a setup episode, but I like seeing the whole cast. Finally, there was some good, bad, ugly, and ugly in it, but overall, I liked it. Good Napalm Walkers. Bad. Oh, Sasha. I get you, Miss Bob, but really, trust no one. Also, bad terrorist jokes, but I still laughed. Ugly Tyrese. You haven't done anything but babysit. Leave the plane to dispatch bad guys to Rick. Thank you. Also, ugly Dawn. I'd rather have the termites back. Uh, Robert Nigro, a three, don't have a bowling ball, but this will do out of five. A major disappointment here, hated Tyrese's Dr. Phil impression with Sasha. Now, Sasha, you're just a zombie when you drank. Uh, Mr. Rogers called, he wants his platitudes back. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, hated even more than that so much seemed telegraphed. Uh, one, Father Gabriel escaping immediately giving himself tetanus on a nail. Uh, two, the feeling that Eugene turned instead of waking up. What with all that groaning and him being nice and covered with a blanket and a ladder that will trap Maggie as she turns around the front of the fire truck out of view of the others. Uh, boo-hoo, Captain Lady. My old buddy's out there on the asphalt. Could you please lead me to the window and then turn your back on me, please? What am I, watching a Lifetime movie? <laughs> uh, four, Daryl <laughs> lurking behind to nose around the burned-out FEMA trailer. What for? Why was he not following the fleeing Grady cops along with the others? And those nice, tight horror movie shots on him to make it beyond obvious that he'll be in danger momentarily in one, two, uh, five, Dr. Hipster dispensing more medicine through Beth. Damn it, girl, didn't you learn not to trust anything nursey he tells you to do from the last time he told you what to do? Um, Shailen Benson Vega, uh, 3.5 organ donors out of five. (laughs) Beth and Sasha both seem a little too gullible in this episode. Um, And Luke Smith, Father Gabriel... Clearly has that killer instinct inside him when it attacked his instinct for survival kicked in, but then he quickly regained control and made a very conscious decision not to kill the walker. Very interesting character to have in this world. Very concerned about Carol, though. She's my favorite character, and I would be upset to see her go. And if you would like to share your thoughts on every episode of The Walking Dead, we have the mid-season finale next week, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of comments there. Um, you can also link to Aaron's full review of each episode of The Walking Dead on theyoungfolks.com from our Facebook group, and we also post a lot of news and interesting discussions there. Uh, It is the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group. On the Facebook, please join us. We are almost 700 strong at this point, so... So that's it for this week's show. Of course, we're going to talk after the end here about next week's mid-season finale. But if you don't want to be spoiled on that, we understand. Just listen to the outgoing notes first and then have a good week. So you can send us a voicemail at 972-798-3830 or an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, which just put out a new episode yesterday, The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, Out Now. Aaron, what are they talking about on Out Now this week? Uh, we have the Hunger Games, it's the Hunger Games colon Mockingjay dash part one. We're talking about this week. <laughs> Comma. Awesome. Wow, that's a lot of punctuation! Exclamation point. There's a lot of punctuation in that title. <laughs> uh, Jersey Shore should be putting out a new episode right after this one goes live. The Ichapod Crane Cast, uh, the DC TV Podcast, it's all connected to Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, and many, many more. And you can find this all at hhwlod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network. Aaron's at Aaron's PS4. Jim is at Yoda Jones, and I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. And so, until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, hail Hydra.
And next week on The Walking Dead, remember, if you don't want to be spoiled, cut out now. But in the mid-season finale, we have an episode titled Coda, finishing our cycle of three episodes with C uh, starting words. This one's Coda, and episode 508 says, from TVGuide.com, Rick seeks a peaceful agreement when rules and morals are tossed aside by new enemies. Mm. Now, are we thinking new enemies? Or are we thinking that these enemies are the people from Grady Memorial Hospital? I mean, if the, if the new enemies were interesting, then I'd be excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's just going to be the Grady Bunch uh, yeah. next week. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Hopefully they'll... Um, you know, the season's had a really good mix of, of not only the character stuff and the action stuff, but also I think it's been paced really well. So hopefully we won't spend too much time with this, you know, in the Grady morass, as it were. Yeah, I, I'm pretty confident that it'll it'll wrap up this stuff of Grady. And from the trailer for the episode, we saw a lot of low uh, angled shots, which I really like, of uh, Rick, not building, but he had placed a purple flag, basically just a purple shopping bag, purple plastic bag on the end of a stick, and him kind of pacing around. And then in the scene we saw in Talking Dead, it was more with Father Gabriel, but it was him ending up at the the school where the hunters had had set up shop and eaten uh, Bob's leg. He even finds Bob's leg and a Bible, seemingly from someone he used to know, with a page torn out, and then it cut away. But it sure seemed like he was going to be eaten by them zombies. And while at least then we wouldn't have to deal with him anymore, I don't think if it just ends with him startling the zombies inside the school and then getting eaten, I don't think that's a a satisfying character arc for him. No, but if it was the cold open with Gabriel getting eaten by zombies, I'd be pretty happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> At least we don't have to deal with him again. <laughs> I, I I agree with Aaron. I hope Morgan comes in on a zip line and saves the day in some way. I think that would be a great... If there's one thing The Walking Dead could use, it's just zip lines in general. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> the dearth of Maybe some harpoons lines. as well. Harpoons would be cool. Yeah. Actually, you know, the preview looked like it made it look like a western. Like Rick was, you know, kind it of really did. Go, it's going all high noon on this. Like I, I was enjoying that kind of those, that brief setup teaser for the next week's episode. So here's having our fingers crossed for next week's episode, just being awesome. But until then, have a good week, everybody. Ta-ta. Good night. A good eye sniper. Now I shoot you right I am recording now, and it sounds like I'm recording. Okay. My waveforms are waveformy. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. The human torch could not secure (laughs) a bank loan. (laughs) Unique New York. Unique New York. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? A woodchuck woodchuck, so much wood would a woodchuck could chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? It's a cold night for pontooning. (laughs) <laughs> what is that one from? Uh, Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like all these others I've heard. That one I'm not sure about. We're on 127, by the way. Yes, we are. <laughs> because 123 was four weeks ago. Exactly. That's the exact reason. <laughs> <laughs> Crossed. I've got the wiki entry here with a lot of guest actors. Including, I always That's thought cute. it was... Uh, uh, Maximilio Hernandez. It's Maximiliano Hernandez. Yeah, it's it's that <laughs> it's that complicated. Yeah, that's an awesome name, but good lord, I'm gonna just call him Max or Mister Hernandez. I think <laughs> that's the first introduction.
And the other thing is he, she was talking about um, Abraham and how she got on the team. Like Abraham said that she saw he saw potential in her. That's what I said. Yeah, the Abraham side. Oh, yeah, that, 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 Eugene. He, oh I'm, no, I'm, I've, I've, you know what? I've had. A, I'm sorry. If you, if you have to cut no, that no. out, Jordan, it's fine. <laughs> I've just had a really long day. I'm. No, no problem. This is this. This was more based on my fear of the internet, like attacking you later on. It's like Jim Tara said that. Like I didn't want to have that. To happen, no, no, it's basically. cool. Well, Jim, but give me if I give me it... separated by about two seconds of silence. Give me a Tara and give me a Abraham, and then I can cut them in later. Okay, I, I, the the thing about Rosita, I did say that Abraham said that he, he saw potential in her and stuff. So go back and listen, I, because I, I, you know, yeah, no problem. So just give me a clear Tara. Tara. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, it'll probably be fine. And, pl- and if it's not bloopers, hey, it's always funny. But I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> it's not a problem. Because I couldn't remember either. I was like, was that Rosita or was that Tara? I don't remember. Uh, but before we get into what our... <laughs> next next winter on The Walking Dead, Rick and the gang take up hole in the hospital. <laughs> it's it's the uh, stealth scrub season nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the backdoor pilot, you never realized it was. Turks all of a sudden there. Like, what's happening? <laughs> and the, the stuffed dog is now reanimated for some reason, and I don't There's remember like the dog's a, name, but yeah, okay. it's been a long time since I've seen Scrubs. Anyway, as long as the janitor shows up and is still awesome, I'm fine with it. That's all I'm saying. There you go. Bump, but dum bump, bump, bump. Is that the right thing? I don't. No, okay. I don't know which thing. Yeah, no, I, was I think I missed <laughs> it too. <laughs> anyway. I was doing that We Are Farmers thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bum, ba, dum, bum, 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 bum. We are farmers. Bum, ba, dum, bum, 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 bum. J.K. Simmons, Forrest, best supporting actor. 